mama's house this week Cause she's gone, she's out of town I can't wait to show you where I come from Ever since we met I've been dreaming big So many things now I want to see and do Don't matter where, if I'm with you I want to take you yonder right across the river Where the grass is greener and the oak tree sits on top of the hill There's a couple of swings I could take you yonder to the living room There's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt We could hide you there and love all day We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder Wanna take you yonder Yonder upstairs there's a bedroom I shared with my brothers All the posters still there Mama tends to keep everything Remember I told you about the lake It's yonder out the old highway We could have a cool swim Then build a fire But first I want to take you yonder Right across the river Where the grass is greener And the oak tree sits on top of the hill There's a couple of swings Or I could take you yonder to the living room there's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt We could hide under there and love all day We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder It's hard to figure out where to start yonder There's a fishing hole, the old hangout, the makeout spot In the church parking lot Take you yonder right across the river Where the grass is greener and the oak tree sits on top of the hill We could go swinging Or I could take you yonder to the living room There's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt We could hide under there and love all day We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far Cause we'll be together no matter where we are Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder Wanna take you yonder Wanna take you yonder Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder Here we go In love, in love with movies Welcome, movie lovers, to In Love With Movies. I'm Nick. I'm Danny. <laughs> and what do we do here, Danny? Uh, we talk about love in movies, Nick. Oh, it's so funny. It's right there in the name. And we have a very exciting guest. Y'all just heard some sultry uh, some sultry sounds, and I'm not talking about my voice in the <laughs> introduction, because I know, Marcus, were you very impressed with the song, the opening credits? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> 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 but anyways, uh, we have a really special guest. This is a man I met at a bar. Uh, I am married. I'd like to say that. But uh, I went on a work trip to Nashville. There was only one seat left in the bar, sat next to some man that was eating broccoli and uh, prepping to go on stage. And yeah, I met Marcus Brown. So hi, Marcus. Welcome to In Love With Movies. Hey guys, thank you. I'm glad, I ran, I'm glad I ran into you in Nashville, Danny. It was fun. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about like 
why you were at that bar and kind of like your story and all that stuff? I told yeah. you why I was at that bar. It was in my hotel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that ho- it's it's a funny place because it's a hotel bar, but it's also uh, a really he- big um, songwriter venue. So they have, I think, seven nights a week. They have about three hours of songwriters on stage playing their songs in uh, what they call a round, which just means there's multiple songwriters taking turns playing songs. Um, so, uh, so I've been writing songs for a long time, but I started getting really, um, more focused on it and trying to do more of it, you know, a few years ago. And so at this point I just write, I just write a lot and I, um, perform live at least once a week here where I live out in, uh, Eugene, Oregon. And then, um, I've been trying to go to Nashville periodically. So I went twice last year, um, because it's just sort of this place to be for songwriters yeah and it's just a lot of fun there's a lot of music and um so that's what i was doing out there i was trying to do yeah that trip i was trying to um i was trying out a like a three or four day trip and just cramming as much as i possibly could so that particular night i was basically an audition for the lady who books that venue to play kind of at the end of the night and then okay. if she liked it she'd say you know here's my card you know and guess um, what she gave marcus a card yeah. <laughs> she liked you <laughs> i was gonna say don't leave us hanging marcus i want to know did that work out <laughs> yes, it all worked out yeah so that's what i was doing cool yeah. and so then correct me like my understanding of this is that's kind of because i'm a music you know idiot basically with in terms of how things work out that is oftentimes where you know when we hear sort of a popular song on the radio sung by some country music star it was written actually by someone like yourself who then goes and kind of gets noticed and picked up and then somebody else goes and sells that song to the particular artist or the recording studio that owns the rights or whatever yep cool and it happens in pop music too and oh um yeah so yeah i I'm so glad that I talked to you because I didn't know what was happening, but I was sitting there. I, I very much enjoy country music. I love music in general. I'm a music nerd, not a music idiot like my <laughs> husband. Um, and so I told Nick, I was like, I'm going to stay for one drink, have my food there, whatever. I'll stay for 30 minutes. And then I stayed literally the whole time because, well, I wanted to see you go on. And also it was so amazing to see all these songwriters and these are all brand new songs. Like, you know, sometimes you can go to a, a big honky tonk in Nashville. And it's like, they're playing the same four songs over and over and over again. And so it was so cool to see just like brand new music. Some of them were amazing. And then I remember that one guy started singing a faith Hill song and I turned turned to you, Marcus. And I was like, why is he singing this? This is original songs. And you were like, he wrote that song. Yeah. It was just very cool. I like get goosebumps thinking about it. It was, it was a really great night and Marcus went on last and it was great. And you killed it. So, Marcus, Thanks. the song that you brought us in with, is that the one that you had played that night? No. So, no. I mean, can we hear just a little bit, if you'd be w- comfortable, of the one that got you the card? Oh, sure. <laughs> it's a song about love and gambling. Oh. <laughs> mm. of a gambling man Mama taught me how to save She kept it all in a coffee can 
The only time I placed a bet I went and lost my whole pay Check, I decided right there and then I ain't gambling on any game I'm betting on you and me In the river I see from our paint bank on piece of dirt My chips are on the rings on her fingers And a long day's hard work I know we'll come up bases So baby, let's keep making, making bets Betting on you, making bets. I'm all in everything we do. <laughs> I hadn't played in a while. I forgot, almost forgot some words. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I we got. I wrote that with my uh, one of my co-writers uh, named Joe Zimmer. So. That's that's really it good. That's so impressive. Good. I yeah. I mean, okay, now movie lovers, if in the next couple of years you hear some country music stars singing about making bets, you know that you had the exclusive here first on In Love with Movies. So. And I would like 60% of your profit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Marcus, you also mentioned that uh, you started getting more serious about it a couple of years ago. What was it that kind of prompted that to happen? Oh, well, I, I, had, I had a lot of uh, big life changes. So, um, and a little bit COVID too. So like four months before COVID, I lost my wife to cancer. So she'd been sick for like two and a half years. So, um, so, you know, that, that involves a lot in terms of grief and stuff, but just practically speaking, you're just, you have this huge hole. So you have a lot more time and then COVID hit and it's like, we're all stuck at home. Even more time. Yeah. So you have even more time. And I have kids and stuff, and they keep you busy. But um, yeah, that uh, that really. I'm trying to remember how. Yeah, I think I just started, you know, just picking up the guitar when I. Just kind of felt, like I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just. Which I'd kind of always done, but. Um, but I did a lot. Prior to that, I did a lot of aimless picking up of the guitar, and this was sort of more like, I really don't know what to do right now, so I'm just going to pick up the guitar. So, and then you start writing songs, and then, uh, and then it turns into more of an actual tat, you know, like a project, like a yeah. real creative project. And you're like, well, this is actually a good song. This isn't just like me crying on my guitar. This is like maybe a good song. Let me try to make this into as good of a song as I can. And then yeah. it becomes more of a project. And then it's been really cool to, um, kind of go through that process and, uh, um, actually create songs that other people, other people relate to. And, um, it's really, it's really fun. It's a challenge, you know, it's a challenge. And when you, when you feel like you've met the challenge, it's super rewarding. It's a really big high. So, for me, anyway. That's awesome. Do you feel like uh, most of your songs that you've written the past couple of years are love songs? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I think nine. I think probably ninety percent of them are relationship songs. Like they have something to do with the relate. There, there's some kind of connection with a relate, like a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, lots of songs. You know, I've had other relationship experiences uh, in the last couple of years. You know, I had my first serious girlfriend, and uh, that ended, and, you know, trying to date and stuff like that. And um, 
so you end up with lots of and just thinking about stuff you know just thinking about fears and you know just different personalities and um you end up writing i end up writing a lot about just different relationship stuff you know like thinking about just people trying to love each other and try not to get too scared and all that kind of stuff so you end up with like romantic love songs or you end up with breakup songs sure. or you end up you know a lot of like kind of new love you kind of excited new love songs um yeah and they're all just like real it's all real stuff you know i mean not not necessarily literally autobiographical right. but it's just like the the uh experience or feeling behind it, it's all very real it happens it happens for a lot of people you know yeah I think that's actually something that we talk about with Danielle and I a lot of times as, as part of the reason we kind of started this podcast is I feel a lot of those things about my life through movies, like kind of you're saying, like metaphorically the stuff that you're going through, you know, kind of comes on to you, whereas she feels a lot of it through music, mm -hmm. uh, like even more so than me. But I think, you know, there's some truth to that statement of whoever you are, you know what I mean? Both of those things hit you in that kind of way, and it doesn't have to be sort of the literal sense of... Um, autobiographical, you know, literally betting on someone or literally had a mother that told you, you know, uh, to save money in a coffee can. Like, all of that is still really there in the, the sentiment, so. I think that's what makes, like, and that's why I had such a good time that night at the writer's thing. That's what makes good music is the honesty in it. Like, you can tell. Now, I'm a boy band fan forever and always, but a lot of their songs mean nothing <laughs> you know they're th just there for the hook and they're there for like to get in people's heads but like when you're here singing and like telling a story and especially country music tells all these stories i think that's where people really can relate and they really truly can see themselves in the song rather than ain't no lie baby bye 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 <laughs> okay that's a good one though that's a good one um do you have any other well maybe i'll ask you this i'm putting you on the spot do you remember like what the first song you wrote after your wife passed was? Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to remember, I don't remember the lines now. Like I remember I'd have to think about it for a second to hear it. It's not that, it's not that, it's not, a, it's not a great, it's not a great song. <laughs> it was cathartic at the time. Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. Um, I did play it out one time, uh, a month or two after I wrote it and, uh, just realized it's not a good bridge okay but other than that you know sometimes you can you know there's if a song just kind of seems like incomplete or not there you can still i can still evaluate it and say well it had this this part was good yeah <laughs> but that's amazing because that sorry I, I always relate everything back to movies but this is something i often talk about too is like even when the movie as a whole is not great like if you know enough about movies and how they're made you can see things that are worthwhile in it still you know what I mean and I'm, I'm hearing the same thing about like songs that you've created maybe like you're like okay maybe this whole song isn't worth continuing to pursue in its current form but this one piece of it was still really good and there's no reason to throw that out with everything else so yeah there's something to love always <laughs> yeah yeah I know you gotta be kind to yourself of course but you know you evaluate what you've done and how you're doing and yeah it's all good it's all learning so cool. So would you say then that the, not to put words in your mouth, but just from the implied, I, the writing has been a good part of your grieving process, that it's given you something as a distraction, something to process your feelings, et cetera, of losing your wife? Yes. 
um, yeah, <clears throat> definitely, definitely. And then it continues on, you know, grief, uh, my experience with grief was, you know, a couple, probably a couple years of actually having a relationship with the person you lost, like in hindsight, you know, like it's, it's like, it's still, you're kind of still in the relationship, but it's sure it's, but it's, but it's grief. So it actually, it actually gives you kind of a focus, you know, emotionally. And then what, but then after, from in my experience was like after kind of getting through that stage, it was even, it got, it got harder in some ways because I, it went from just kind of grieving to just kind of just like sitting with yourself and just having no idea really what's going on with yourself, you know? <laughs> so, um, still feeling kind of like you're missing something, but just like kind of what is going on, you know? It's more aimless. It's more aimless. So that's very challenging too. So yeah, through all the, through all the things, I think, uh, I hope that I'm never so distracted kind of just by external stuff that I stop being creative the way I've been creative because I think it's healthy for me to do that. And it helps, um, um, this is good. It's just good for me. Just good for, you know, good for my soul or whatever. Yeah. I love that. I like that you said soul or whatever. It yeah, it's definitely good for your soul. Absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> if you didn't have that, then I mean, not to call men out or anything, but <laughs> I do think it's harder sometimes for men to show their emotions and like it's not as socially acceptable. And so like the fact that you're able to channel it into something so beautiful and so meaningful is just it's real freaking cool. And that's why we brought you on this podcast. Also yeah. because you told me you really liked the movie that we're gonna talk about. So <laughs> we had to talk yeah. about that one. Um, do you have an Another song you want to share right now about uh, relationships or anything before we move on? We can move on after that, yeah. Uh, yeah whatever you guys want, yeah. I have that. I could play that. Uh, I could play that rom- the romantic song I was mentioning. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Play a song, if you want. Okay. First thing I thought of this morning was you. But the lights were so dim when I met you last night. It's strange to remember the view. How you looked in my eyes when I kissed you. And the sun sank down into the river. Oh, after all that rain. My heart brimming over while I sit here and wait. I met you on Monday. I'll see you on Wednesday. Right now it's Tuesday, and another day is far too much time. I taste you on my lips 13 long hours after I. First kiss I'll see you tomorrow If only I could get through today I truly had no expectations I was cool But my hand had a mind of its own When it held yours And suddenly my arm was wrapped around you 
Now I'm holding nothing but some cold coffee And the seconds drag on by I got a punch list with nothing checked off And I hear horns honking I'm stopped at a green traffic light I met you on Monday I'll see you on Wednesday But right now it's Tuesday And another day is far too much time I taste you on my lips Thirteen long hours after our first kiss I'd see you tomorrow If only I could get through today You're a phone call away But nothing I could say wouldn't scare you off If I sent you a text made your phone ring you might find out my heart's spinning out of control i met you on monday the full moon rising we dance to the pickup truck play i'd see you tomorrow but i can't stand away i wish i could sleep until the start of our second day i'd see you tomorrow if only i could get through to So, um, Marcus, if any of our listeners right now are swooning as much as we are at this moment, where can they find more of you and more of that music before we go on to talk about our movie? Well, if I'm, uh, you can just check my Instagram account, which is uh, Marcus Brown Songs, M-A-R-C-U-S Brown Songs, plural. Um, And then anything I will have released by the time the podcast comes out will be referenced there. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, there's nothing like live, raw, unfiltered music. It makes me want to hop back over to Nashville. When are you going next? <laughs> oh, I'd like I I might go end of March for a big festival called uh or this big songwriter festival called Tin Pan South. Oh yeah, you were telling a, me about that. Which is amazing because um it's five nights, ten venues two different songwriter rounds per night. So basically two concerts per night. Wow. And it's all just like just amazing songwriters who've written amazing songs. And you really hear the, hearing the songwriters perform instead of the, the um, famous musician mm-hmm. is like, you really get closer to the heart, heart of the song. Yeah. You know? So it's really incredible. And all the song, most 90% of the songwriters are amazing musicians and performers in their own right so yeah and some of them end up making eventually themselves making making it big too i'm trying to remember who it was god who was it that wrote that song um we went and eventually saw him in concert and then later after the fact yes sam hunt probably hunt um the the like he uh because he wrote one that i think keith urban maybe picked up about like in the back of a cop car or something like that and and i'm just like my brain is spacing at this moment Mm -hmm. um but yeah to your point of what you were saying I'd heard it sung by Keith Urban multiple times 
And then like we saw the actual original writer sing it and there's just, it's just dripping with so much more emotion as opposed to just kind of being popified. So, mm-hmm. um, nothing against Keith Urban. We that, like him. Yeah. We're I like Keith Urban stands. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Very true. Yeah. Well, that's ooh, maybe we have to go to Nashville <laughs> again to go see that. And the thing that I loved about just like sitting there when there was four rounds, five rounds, whatever, was the diversity of humans too. There was like clearly college kids who were over there. And then there was um, the guy who sang the Faith Hill song. Sorry if he's listening to this, but he was like very old leathery guy. <laughs> he was like the Wayne Newton of country music, basically. Um but yeah, it it was it's such a like diverse group and you get to hear the raw messages and the raw songs. I think it's freaking cool. And That's... some of these I'm sure eventually will be picked up and be sung on stage and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the the beginnings of it is just very very cool. Well, movie lovers, we're going to uh, take a quick break and then come back with more of Marcus. And maybe, you know, if you come around to the other side, you might hear some more songs from him. But uh, the the crux of what we'll be talking about is our movie discussion. And Marcus, tell us, what movie is it that you've picked for us? Princess Bride. <laughs> best, best movie ever. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> all right. He's taking a strong stance. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, all right. We'll, we'll see everyone in a few minutes. A few minutes. I have to pee. In love with movies. Da, da, da. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> right before I'm like, okay, so we're going to hit the sting, and then we're going to be introducing everything back. Danielle takes that moment to go ahead and take a drink of her protein shake. So that Listen. she's got a full mouth right Listen. as we're supposed to be speaking to each other. I'm, I need to get jacked. She likes to pretend like she does ASMR too, Marcus. Uh, so I don't know if you... So. Marcus is having a great time over there, I can tell. <laughs> He's so entertained by us. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about uh, a movie. We're talking about The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride is actually exactly as old as I am because it came out the same year that I was born. So for those uh, movie lovers who are not familiar, this is where we talk about the movie. I'm going to start with some opening credits to explain it. 1987, that's when The Princess Bride came out. Stars Carrie Elways. I think Elways is how you pronounce that. Um, Carrie is I'm getting some nods from Marcus as Marcus is like yep yep <laughs> sure why not that guy uh f- for my generation I know that like I knew him as the kind of dorky new father in the movie Liar Liar but he also like was oh. really big in the very first Saw movie he's been in some other things but this would have probably been one of his earlier roles that you know people actually actually originally knew him from we've also got Robin Wright who is really kind of doesn't feel like the Robin Wright that I know, because everything I know Robin Wright from is like Wonder Woman and House of Cards, where she's a complete badass, and she plays the princess in this, so she gets to basically just do the role of a damsel. Um, then we then we've got Chris Sarandon, uh, who movie lovers may remember did the voice of uh, Jack Skellington from uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. And I looked him up. It is Susan Sarandon's ex husband, but she kept his last name, which is interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Mandy Patinkin, who, I mean, today the people watching or listening to this may actually know Mandy Patinkin mostly from TikTok. He's, like, now become kind of TikTok famous and is verified there because he just, like, he'll randomly do songs or do comedy or just talk about his opinions because he's kind of, he's, like, somebody's grandpa at this point. I'm pretty sure it was probably his grandkids that started the TikTok for him. Is he the guy with the lisp? He, no, Mandy Patinkin is, uh, in, in, oh, God, you... Killed my father, prepared to die. I'm like now forgetting the, the character's name that oh. he says it a billion times. Anyway, um, 
Wallace Shawn is the guy who who's the short little uh, bald guy. You know the. Uh, the lisp guy. Uh, yes, the lisp guy. The uh, the the inconceivable. Inconceivable. Fred Savage, um, as you know, Peter Falk, who I had to kind of like clock. clock I realized, oh, that's that's Columbo. So for those of you who are Columbo fans, Honor the Giant, you can't miss. Uh, and then the just honorable mentions, kind of even though they're smaller roles, Carol Kane and uh, Billy Crystal playing uh, Mr. Miracle and his wife are pretty awesome. Directed by Rob Reiner. For those of you who don't know, Rob Reiner was like a ton of you know rom coms, especially in the eighties. 80s uh, stuff we've covered includes I think Harry Met Sally uh, was one he directed and then it was written this was something I found interesting because I didn't necessarily know this it was written by William Goldman and he's got the credit for screenplay of this movie but also based on the book he wrote the book that this is based on which was oh. news to me when I was first looking things up so that's our, our opening credits Marcus anything of, of note from what you remember in terms of how it's it's created or any actors that uh, that appear in the film um you guys hear that? <laughs> Someone <Whistling>? making tea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody get the kettle. <laughs> is that what it is? Is it just a tea whistling? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's not that bad. It's really not. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Chris, so I don't, Christopher Guest is in the movie too. As the six <gasps> Yes. Man. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, um, I'm sorry. What was your what was your question? Just wondering if there was anything else about the creators or the actors in it that you can think of that I kind of missed. And that's a great one. Christopher Guest is oh, the yeah, six figure man. Christopher Guest, and then um, yeah, uh, it's Robin Wright's first movie. Oh, an intro- she has an introducing Robin Wright credit, um, and yeah, I think I think you basically covered it. Yeah, I, I did read the book. So you read the book. This, oh. this prompted me. This doing this prompted me to read the book. It's a great read. Um, it's not a situation where you could say one is better than the other or anything, but they're different. They give a little bit of a different take on the same story. I was going to ask, like, is it like a faithful adaptation or how much does it follow things? Does it start with the introduction or is it basically the book that you read is the book that the grandfather is reading to Fred Savage? Um, it's, uh, so it's the same writer, screenplay and book, but it's just, um, it's trimmed down for the movie. And the movie, I think, gets a little more, it's more consistently heartwarming, maybe. Okay. Or, um, but the but the book is has heartwarming moments, too. And you get a lot more character stuff in the book, as you might expect, especially, like, uh, the princess, um, in particular. You get a lot more character. And uh, it's also, the, it's really funny. So it's, like, a, it's written as an autobiography. Uh, and the author is saying, you know, hey, when I was a kid, my dad wrote, read me this classic fairy tale by okay. S. Morgan Stern, who's who's a Florinese. And then he starts talking about all the, the, you know, the Florinese experts at the universities and all this stuff. But all this stuff is, it's all fiction. Right? <laughs> there is no Florin, so, yeah. Right, right. So, um, and then and then the story goes, he, he grows up and has kids of his own and wants to track down a copy of this book. And he finally gets a copy of the book for his son, and he realizes that all those years his father was reading it to him, he was only reading the good parts. Oh. And there was all this filler that his, his father graciously skipped over. <laughs> and so he, being a writer, calls his publisher and says, I want to write an abridged version of this fairy tale, this classic fairy tale. And so that's what, and so all this is in the book, and then you end up reading 
the, the abridged version, and, he, and the author puts in comments about his abridgments or huh. the word. So <laughs> that's really fascinating. That is cool. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's like it's not. I think the reason I have a copy in my house is my daughter, who's going to be seventeen in a couple. My oldest, who's going to be seventeen in a couple weeks. Um, her grandparents gave it gave her a copy when she was maybe ten. Okay. And it's like, wait, it's like, no wonder she couldn't get through it. It's I mean, she's kind of an advanced, you know, bookish type kid, but um, but it's like, what the humor is way. Yeah, it's it's not it's not inappropriate. It's just like highbrow just, meta. Yeah, yeah. like you kind of have to have a, an understanding of writing comedy to then understand what this comedy even is, type of thing. Yeah. Almost, yeah, yeah. But if you like the movie, it's definitely worth. I mean, or, or regardless, I guess it's definitely worth reading. It's a quick read it's really well done so cool well, that's good to know see this is why i ask our guests because they always <laughs> have these pieces of factoids that i i've missed somewhere along the line so i appreciate that well before we get to our love stories then because i this is fantastic i'm definitely going to go track down that book but the movie that we watched being the abridged version uh we're gonna get danny's take on that with her quick review so <laughs> it's time for at least my favorite segment Time for Danny's Dingle. Great. <laughs> a savage. I had no idea. <laughs> this is in Chicago. As you wish. Lord Farquaad. <laughs> uh, this bitch says she would never love again. <laughs> She's getting married. <laughs> Inconceivable. Uh, lots of adventure. Real sword fighting. Real sword fighting. Andre the Giant equals so big. <laughs> um, she doesn't recognize his voice? Shirtless scene. Shirtless, shirtless scene. Obligatory. Poison. Both poison. What? He's dead? Only mostly dead. True love. Billy Crystal? <laughs> uh, happily ever after the end. Very good. Very good. All right. That wasn't great because, okay. Uh-oh. I just, I forgot the plot. <laughs> we just watched it. A little behind the scenes, movie lovers. We had originally planned to record this, like, only a few days after we were we had watched the movie. And then I had gallbladder issues, and it had to be removed. And that <laughs> put a little bit of a damper on our plans, because I was recovering from surgery on the day we were supposed to record. Um yeah, so that's why it's maybe a little bit fuzzy for for Danny. But um, all right, well, do you your love story for this? What what if anything? Because I want to make sure we finish with Marcus's love story so we can launch into our our conversation after that. Great. Yeah, my love story for most movies are very short because <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies, hence why we have a podcast. I remember watching this movie <laughs> for some reason in sixth grade in social studies class. I, okay. The teacher was just like, "This is my favorite movie, and we're watching it." <laughs> And so we did. And I don't think I've watched it since then. So a lot of the um, imagery was coming back and I remembered a lot of things. And Nick and I were talking about this earlier. This is a extremely quotable movie. Oh, yeah. And being an improviser, this movie gets thrown out as a suggestion a lot. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of the lines, but I forgot everything else that goes together. So I guess this was only my second time watching it. Wow. A couple weeks ago. All right. I don't, it's more than two. I know that. I think the first time I remember watching it start to finish is probably somewhere in college. I remember there was an Andre the Giant 
um, documentary about him. And then like that documentary I had After watched. After he died? Yeah. And, and so like that then prompted me to be like, well, yeah, I should go see this movie. I don't think I've ever seen it start to finish. But my love story for this actually is less about watching it and more about early in you and I's relationship. Apologies if I'm about to make people vomit with, you know, how uh, overly sac- saccharine this is. but <laughs> How overly sacked we are. <laughs> um, I can remember in our relationship, there was a time where I felt the words, I love you. But it was before we had kind of crossed that bridge into we had first said that to each other. And so I had gotten to a point where I was actively looking for opportunities where I could reasonably grammatically it would make sense for my response to something to be as you wish really Uh uh-huh i didn't recognize that at all i know you didn't because (laughs) at some point i seem to remember asking you like did you notice that i said this and you're like no why what do i care and i'm like well it's kind of a movie line you're like oh okay and then that was it like (laughs) but i still kept you know just kind of surreptitiously uh telling you how much i loved you before we had crossed that line into using those words so cute that's cute thank you (laughs) But Marcus, Marcus is the one who chose this movie for us. He's going to have uh, a love story of his own. I don't know. We haven't heard it, so I don't know if it's as mushy as mine uh, or if it has anything related to it. He's shaking his head. Uh, but Marcus, tell us, what is your love story with this movie? Why did you pick it? Why do you love this movie? Why did you proclaim it's the best movie of all time when we introduced it earlier today? Well, I'm just the, I'm just the expert, so... <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, <clears throat> well, you mentioned 1987, so I would have been eight. And I think it's possible, I, I need to ask my parents, but it's possible they we got to see it in the theater. Okay. Um, but regardless, it was something that was watched, not constantly as a kid, but we might have had it on videotape or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But knew it pretty well as a kid. And uh, and as, for, as a kid, it's like you, it's great because you... There's just tons of momentum in the movie. There's tons of action. There's tons of adventure. Um, you know, the boy in the movie doesn't like the kissing. I don't remember what I thought about the kissing. <laughs> I, I was probably like, I was probably, frankly, enthralled by it. You know, because <laughs> Robin Wright's beautiful, and you know, the princess is beautiful, and you know. Yes. And then. Um, yes. And I think the humor, a lot of the humor, the kids can relate. I mean, it makes kid. The movie makes kids laugh. Makes my kids laugh. Yeah. So after I so after I had kids of my own, um, I wanted to show them this movie, you know, as soon as as soon as I could. So um, and I don't remember when I don't remember when that started, but definitely with my oldest daughter, I brainwashed her from a very early age into believing that the Princess Bride is the best movie ever made. I love this so <laughs> it's much. Still her favorite movie. So she's a really smart kid. But I, <laughs> I indoctrinated her very early on, and she, she still would probably say that. Princess Bride's her favorite movie. Oh, it worked. It. I mean, how how often do you get to say something you were intentionally trying to do as a parent went that well? <laughs> yeah, never, like never. So. I guess this settles the nature versus nurture debate. Then it's all nurture, <laughs> forcing your views on your children. <laughs> Marcus, well, we're not, we're, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that just gives me so much hope that now I can do that to my children with Star Wars. So thank you, I really appreciate it. Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of people do that with to their kids with Star Wars. Sure. <laughs> do you see the room we're in right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's done it to me too. <laughs> well, that's yeah. that is really sweet. I love that. Yeah, and I hadn't watched it for a while, probably two, three years, probably, because. Um, 
for a long time, I was just very disciplined about, you know, the families. Like, we must watch Princess Bride at least once a year, you know, possibly a little more often than that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, um, yeah, but I, we watched it again, um, you know, like the day, probably the day, day or two before we were going to originally have this, have this recorded, so. And your kid watched, yeah, kids right. watched it with you then as well? Uh, no, my teenager was gone. <laughs> Um, even though it's her favorite movie, but, uh, yeah. And then my younger, you know, I think I'm trying to remember how the movie viewing went, <laughs> you know, they complain, they, my, my other two kids who are 12 and seven, they used to be great movie kids. Cause you could just for the, for a dad, cause you could play all the old, uh, you know, all my favorite, like eighties, yeah. early nineties family comedies and they would eat it up. And now they just complain about everything. It's a, it's a new stage. <laughs> I was gonna say that's that's just teenagers. Like that's. <laughs> so, I hope seven is not a teenager, but. <laughs> yeah, and it's because the it's because the you know the brainwashing your kids on the what pop culture to like it's you really got to it's got to be like a regular thing. If you take a couple months off, you're screwed. So yeah. that's on you. You let it slip, yeah. Marcus. I mean, you did it w so well with the first, but you know, you said you've been a couple of years, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, that's, that's that is a very sweet. I love that so much. Um, I, I what is so? I guess I don't know. We can open it to larger discussion. Danielle and I always kind of like have different approaches. I want to talk about like highlights and just let things flow. You could go from the beginning to the end and all over the place. Danielle's like, I want to go through my chronological notes of the things that I thought about as I was watching this movie. What is your sort of favorite scene or the best thing about this movie for you, Marcus? Um. <laughs> It's like telling probably, you. It's, it's like probably, me asking which well, one's your favorite kid. Probably, you know. Well, uh, I want my father back. You son of a bitch. It's a great. It's a it's just a such a powerful scene. Um, and then, uh, and then at the very end, uh, the grandfather saying, "As you wish." Yeah, I think I teared up this time watching yeah. that. Yeah. I genuinely forgot. Like when this movie opened, you t we turned it on. I was like. Did you put the right movie on? Because I forgot it was a retelling of a story, um, which clearly takes place in Chicago. Did you notice that? The boys' bedroom is all Chicago stuff. You didn't notice it because you're not from Chicago, you know? It's well, very important to me. I'm a big, I'm a big, I mean, we're all big John Hughes fans, you know? And yep. he, he, like, established Chicago as, like, the, the location for all great, you know, family. Uh-huh comedies dramedies you know uh, so breakfast club I'm not surprised yeah. ferris bueller even even christmas vacation like yeah. yeah you you realize like yeah okay, okay apparently chicago is like the every pl person's land to yeah to be based in so yeah. that makes sense yeah th but it was funny you i remember there was a couple of times where you said things like that or later on the reason she mentioned billy crystal and her danny's dingle is because i said something about him while we were watching it and she went wait what no that's not. <laughs> because his voice, I was like, I know this voice so much. Why do I know this voice so much? And then you said it was Billy Crystal, and I I about lost it. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I didn't realize it was him. Oh, very funny. Have um, fun storming the castle. Yeah, I also, I guess I just forgot how everything set up, because to me, in my mind, it was just like, as a kid, an adventure movie. So you forget that, like, her love disappears, mm. and she says, I'll never love again, and then 
gets married or is going to get married. Mm -hmm. But then I forgot that it's also like at the end, there's a twist where it's like he just wanted to marry her to start a war or he wanted to kill her. Yeah. To start a war. Right? I had that note too. Like I I always forget every time I watch this that he's like had had hired the guy who ro- steals her away and that even after she was brought back like his plan was to just murder her and bl- and blame it on this other country. Like I was like, "Oh crap. I forget that that stuff happens. Like this guy's pure evil." <laughs> yeah, he's savage. And I wrote Lord Farquaad because this guy reminds me of Lord do you guys know who Lord oh, Farquaad yeah. is? From Shrek. The yeah. little angry prince. Some of you may die, <laughs> but that is a risk I am willing to take. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a note, too, early on to, to go backwards, Marcus, and I'm, I'd love to hear your take on this. The music, that opening theme is just so beautiful. Like, I, I've forgotten how gorgeous it is. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Mark Knopfler, I think. Yeah. Music for that movie. I think that's is that the guy from Dire Straits? Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Um I should well, you should check that. We'll Google it. <laughs> I want to say that. Anyway. Um yeah, that's who that is. Yeah, Nick was listening to it in the car yesterday. <laughs> like the soundtrack to Princess Bride. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean it's a good song. It's a good song. Uh yes, Dire Straits lead vocals and lead guitar, Mark Knopfler. Knopfler. Yep. Knopfler. Knopfler. So, Marcus, who is your favorite character? Ooh. Mm. Gosh, I don't know. I just, I love all the characters, probably. Uh, I mean, Inigo Montoya, you know, again, just is a great character. Um, This reminded me of the book. I mean, you got to read the book, the character development. I can imagine. The the way he fills in the backstory for Inigo and Fezzik. Who's on, you know, the, the um, giant, yeah. um, just great. I did wonder that to myself stuff. when you were talking about the book filling in backstory. I was like, I immediately thought of those characters because it's, it, yeah. they just feel like there's more there that's not being shown, but it's, it has been thought of, I guess. I really like that they're bad guys, but they're not bad guys at all. Yeah. <laughs> they like actually have a good heart. And Egan went toy at the end when he's just bleeding out and still fighting Right? Does yeah. that happen to him? Yeah. I love when he's like, yeah, he's like leaning against a wall, <laughs> holding like, his belly, and then the guy goes to stab him again, and his like his hand just <laughs> swings, and you know, like he his sword comes up and catches it at the last second. Anyhow, that's really very funny. And I think Andre the Giant is the perfect person for this role. Um, obviously, not a very good actor, but like he didn't need to be in this role. Yeah. He was just being him and being big and <laughs> saying things. Um, yeah. You, yeah, the book makes you understand the relation, the 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 the, hum, the kind of his, yeah, just the character. The book just helps you understand, like appreciate the movie even more. So, yeah. like the interaction between Fezzik and, and Ego, and like the rhyming and stuff like that, the rhyming they do. Um, anyway, that's great. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I will say I think this movie holds up because it is so character heavy. Like I was. Sometimes when I'm watching movies, I'm like, I'll be that person for Halloween. <laughs> and when we were watching this, I was like, I could be any of these characters for Halloween because they're such, like, iconic. Like, you know exactly who, um, as you wish, what's, what's his name? The main guy? Dread Pirate Roberts or Wesley. Whatever. Yeah, Wes. Wesley. I would like to be him. Okay. He's so iconic, you know, with his mask, and I, which is hilarious in the movie because it's like she loved this man so much. 
and then she can't tell that's him with a little mask on. Well, he did have that weird mustache that he'd grown oh, too. Oh yes, so, yes, you know. yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and she thought he and she thought he was dead. That's there, true. There is that. Your brain kind of doesn't start predicting that it's going to be your dead significant other if. <laughs> and then another uh, twist, plot twist. He is the pirate. He becomes the pirate. I love that part. The of pirate the, didn't that's kill him. He becomes the, the pirate. The, the movie is like that. It's clearly this this person. He's like, and that wasn't even the first Dread Pirate reference. <laughs> he was some guy named Steve, and <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good bit. Yeah. I will say all the characters are wonderful except for, I'm so sorry, Marcus. I know you just said she's so beautiful and you love her so much. The, the princess is trash. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I was. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. She can't help herself. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, thinking about, thinking more, trying to think more big picture, you know, analysis of this book and like lo- love, especially in connection with love or the, and the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the, for me, on the movie, when you really think about the movie, the, the love that comes across is is the like the brotherly love or the it's all the relationships between the between the men in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what really comes across, and it's like the the romantic love is like this kind of it's the motivation for everything, mm-hmm. all the other relationships, but it doesn't really it's like it's like very undeveloped, especially yeah. in the movie. Yeah, um, and then in the book. Uh, the book, the story isn't super. There's a little more development, but the, the book is not super. Is not super kind to the princess. Oh, yeah. So interesting. Maybe a little. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to view that. It may be viewed as a little bit out of date. Yeah. That. Um, it was written in the '70s, um, but it could also be viewed as a parody. I mean, I don't. There's a lot of different ways to view it. Yeah, so I mean, it could be the. Is, the book is really cool because it oscillates kind of from being showing some cynicism to showing a lot of like hope and i think the the book ends on a hope on a hopeful note in terms of love you know so there is a little bit of that like there's a touch of the like we're thinking about cynicism in it because he kind of accuses her of like when when they first reconnect and she realizes you know like who she is and he's like how long did you wait before you know you said you would wait forever what did you wait a week did you wait a you know and there's that venom almost in his voice where it's setting up the idea of like, there is a genuine question here because you don't yet know enough about her character to know her motivations and know all of the things that happened that led to her doing it. So instead it really is like, I mean, were you just full of crap? You know what I mean? Were, and so yeah, that's, that's really interesting that the book even goes in further. Yeah. I will say I wrote, look at, I wrote this bitch lied. She said she'd never love again. And then there's a, <laughs> a line through it because then she does kind of explain herself. Yeah. To Yeah. But I think, what you said, Marcus, is so, now thinking about it, is so true. This is not a romantic love story. This is a familial, brotherly love story. Because even between grandpa and grandson, where mm. the grandson at the beginning is like, oh, grandpa's the worst, he's coming over. Mm. And then they connect through this, and they're able to love each other. And then a love for your father, like avenging your father. And, yeah, just the yeah, connections yeah. between That's the characters. Yeah. Um, also, the princess is trash because, like, she doesn't even like him. He he like has to force himself to be like, I'm just gonna hello, I'm here. I'm here again. Yeah, at she's the kinda shitty to him even at the beginning. Yeah. Like he keeps saying as you wish and she's just like Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was watching it, I'm like, doesn't she see how hot this man is? She should love him. I mean nineteen eighties carry always that it's a definite viewpoint on, you know, romantic uh, you know, man woman love. Um, and then it just occurred to me in the in the book, 
you know, it's auto, it's written as though it's autobiographical. It's not. If you read about William Goldman and the book, it's not autobiographical. But in the book, the 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 author character, uh-huh. the first person author character, has a terrible relationship with his wife. Oh. It's very and it's funny. I mean, it's written very funny, but it's like, you know, they do not have a happy marriage, and you know, so. That's that's brilliant. I love that. I was gonna say. I think the only other like romantic love relationship in the movies, Billy Crystal, when (laughs) she goes, "I'm not, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife." (laughs) (laughs) I was dying at that. That was so funny. But also, that's like, there's really only two women in this movie, essentially. The princess, yeah, and the witch, the wife, witch, whatever. That's see, I love that you point that out, Marcus, because again, I didn't know that. And I think from the movie, you weren't it's kind of not clear, but knowing that about the book, it makes you think that that is intended to be a bit more of a commentary and has deeper levels, which is something we talk about regularly on this podcast of fairy tales often tell you, you know what I mean? It's this thing of, oh, it's it's the greatest love ever, you know what I mean? Like there's all these lines in there about, you know, he's got, you know, true love and only true love could do this and only true love could do that. But in reality, they're just kind of telling you it's true love. There's nothing about those characters' interactions with each other that really show any depth of of love with them. And your commentary on like, oh, well, you had like, you know, the character had a bad relationship with his wife. Maybe that is that sort of, it's intended to be sort of a commentary on when you have this view of, love is just when you say it's true love. Like just keep saying it's the greatest love of all time that leads to really terrible relationships in reality because if you think yeah. that's where love begins and ends, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, marriage is hard. No one talks about the, the happily ever after. We've been doing it for almost a decade now. We've been together and it's like, hmm, well, that wasn't <laughs> what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, so it is great that like this, I will say, and I mean this with love, for the movie, this movie is dumb. <laughs> a lot of the things are so stupid. Well, it's farcical. Which yeah, makes the, it the comedy so is, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's dead? No, he's only mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> or like the poison thing. I I genuinely could not remember this movie, so I'm like, oh, who is poison? What poison? And then it's just the solution is like, I've just poisoned myself enough that I've built up an immunity, right? Yes. Yeah. Like that, that, yeah, you don't see that coming the whole, uh, I'm going to trick you, which glass, you know, with Wallace Shawn. And it just is, oh, I've, you know, trained my immunity. I remember this being the first movie that like presented that idea to me and I never would have thought about it, but you, you <laughs> see it in other more serious films of like, you know, certain types of poisons that being possible. Um, but I think even just cause I have a note in here about like, there's so many just ridiculously named creatures too, that that to me leans into, you know, that's the kind of comedy. But I also think that's why this movie still holds up because not only is it sort of this older fantasy, not a real thing, but it's like the level of humor is something that you can appreciate. As you were saying earlier, Marcus, like you can appreciate it when you're eight and you can appreciate it when you're 80. You know what I mean? Like it's just dumb. It's fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Billy Crystal, Mm -hmm. man, he killed me when Mm -hmm. I think he improvised. I, I don't know if this is true, but (laughs) just a guy who has like a, Heavy New York accent. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> so out of place and so hysterical. What is the name of those the, the rodents of un rodents of unusual size? What is that? Is that what it is? R O U S. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
I just love that line when he's like, she's like, well, what about the R-O-U-S's? <laughs> Rodents of unusual size? Those aren't real. <laughs> and then they pop up. <laughs> yeah. It is funny. I also made a note that this movie holds up because, like, when they're sword fighting, they're actually, like, you can tell that they train for a long time, but they're actually just, like, fighting, you know? It's mm. not like when you have, sorry lightsabers and CGI and like all this stuff. It's like, no, the fight's not super epic, but they're actually fighting each other. Or like the rodents of unusual size are puppets <laughs> or people in pup those things. And that's what makes it cool and like real, you know? I'm curious your take. Yeah, I'm curious your take, Marcus, because I have a note about this of, I think the sets maybe and the ridiculousness of like some of the, the special effects and the fact that the sword fighting does feel very much like almost a 1950s pop or what's a pulp pulp movie. I think that's intentional. Like it is like, we're kind of make, we know that this set doesn't actually look like it's up on a cliff somewhere, <laughs> but like yeah. that's on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've watched my copy, you know, my digital copy of the movie has the extras in it, like the making of yeah, or whatever. And um, I don't remember if they got into that. If, if you get a chance to see that, I mean, that's that's worth watching. It's a good story behind the making of the movie. Yeah, I don't know if it was like a budget thing or or uh, aesthetic thing. You know, the movie wasn't a box, didn't make any money, it didn't do well at the box office, and it's only it was only successful as a, you know, rental. Video rental. Yeah. And now streaming, and, you know, now it's just like everyone knows the movie, everyone's seen it. So it's one of those definition of a cult classic. That's exactly type of what films. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, because it's so quotable. Yeah, and it's become one of those movies that it's like you give people grief if they've never seen it before. It's like, how could you have not seen this movie? Everyone has to have seen this movie at least once type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, I just enjoyed it. That's all I have to say. I was looking back at my notes and I was like, I was just tickled the whole time. It was good. I was reading through my notes and I said to Danielle before we started recording, like, I must have just stopped and just watched this movie because I like, I know when I've just kind of not paid, I'm not taking notes. I only had like a page and a half of notes. Whereas there's other times I've got like six pages. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I only have a page and a half of notes, it's because I just couldn't help myself. I was just watching the movie. I wasn't taking any notes. I wasn't criticizing. I wasn't thinking. I was like, this is just a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will say I had one criticism. Don't look at me. Look at him. One and only criticism. (laughs) And Marcus, I know you mentioned something about the brotherly love earlier, so maybe this will give you another segue there. But the moment when they're on the castle wall and they've given him the pill and it's supposed to have only been like 30 minutes before he it is like broad daylight where they're having the scene where they kind of move his head so he can see over. And then like the next thing, you know, it is pitch black and they're able to use the um, whatever cloak and they light it on fire. And I was just like. What what is going on where it's like midday and then thirty minutes later, air quotes, uh, it's suddenly it was <laughs> like winter the darkest time. night ever. Oh, okay, it's winter time. That's yeah, gonna, okay. <laughs> it was five thirty. I, <laughs> I never noticed. I never noticed that before. It was only on this yeah. rewatch that I was like, man, that's that. It wouldn't even have probably stood out to me if they hadn't specifically said thirty minutes. Like, <laughs> there's a fine line between dusk and and dark. Yeah. Happens quickly. (laughs) That's just nature, Nick. Come on. All right. All right. That scene is very, very funny, too. I put, it's a very weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) It is. I've never seen, but I think that's what they do with him. (laughs) They move a dead body around, right? And in improv, we have one of these game 
games called Weekend at Bernie's where someone dies and you have to like animate their corpse. Yeah, you <laughs> very stupid. So the way like his physical comedy in it is so funny when he just kept like pushing his head up. <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone did such a good job and it's not no one took the movie too seriously, thank God. Because I yeah. think if they did, it would have ruined the like farcical nature of it. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, Marcus, any final thoughts on this movie or other things that you want to talk about? Um, well, I just think, you know, it's the best ever, so I don't think you're proving me wrong. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not in the least. Not in the least. I do want to give you, you, you mentioned you had a brotherly love type of song. Oh, yeah. Would you yeah. play us just a little bit of that to, oh, yeah. to wrap up our movie conversation? tricks on you and you find ghosts in the dark I once knew a farmhouse I could go to where the doors were never locked my buddy didn't wake up he was sawing on logs but I could lie on the hardwood and settle my thoughts and no I won't be alone and that's what I call a friend someone who will stand up with you when all the chips are down and the pretty women have left you too not a has been never was sometimes kind of friend the kind who at 2 a.m lets you in that's what i call a friend when the years go by like lightning and you're just a flash in a dream till you run to a reflection some random wedding we shared a smoke and a laugh like we did as boys way back in the day even after all the heartache and hard times that's what i call a friend someone who will stand up with you when all the chips are down and all the pretty women have left you too not a has been, never was, sometimes kind of friend. The kind after decades will take you back in. That's what I call a friend. When you're deep down in the darkness and all you see is red, instead of letting you shove him away, he faces you, tells you we're still okay. And I won't leave you alone. That's what I call a friend. Someone who will stand up with you when all the chips are down. The ladies have left you too. Not a has been, never was, sometimes kind of friend. The kind who forgives you again and again. That's what I call a friend. That's what I call a friend. Wow. Cute. Very, very good. I'm like getting a little emotional. So, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Marcus, for sharing that with us, sure. too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll have to have you on some other time to talk about that relationship, maybe, that uh, was the friend that made you think of that song when we were talking about emotions earlier. I will say, to shamelessly plug, it made me realize, uh, it made me think about, like, just sort of we were talking about guy love and, and guys having that kind of difficulty to find relationships. Uh, we have recorded, and I have not yet edited, thanks to my uh, surgery, a episode that was going to go onto our Patreon uh, with me and movie lovers, you may remember Lorne, who's been on the episodes before, discussing Avatar. So if you're interested in that conversation, we were going to jokingly somewhat uh, call it guy love with movies. Uh, just two dudes <laughs> talking about it and getting, you know, talking about our own experiences and emotions that come along there. If I suddenly see an uptick in our patron subscribers, then I will know that people are actually interested in that and it will motivate me to... Uh, to finally edit that if that's something you're interested in. Um, but I like guy love. <laughs> in general, or I feel like we may be talking about something else here. <laughs> uh, but with that... Romances. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a plug, just a shameless plug for us. Um, but before we get into exiting here, Marcus, I want to make sure you give everyone another opportunity to where... Wait, we have to do our heart rating. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're absolutely Mike right. I forgot how to do our podcast. I did. I forgot how to do our Your podcast. Your music lulled him into a state where he forgot what, what's happening. I did. I did indeed. It's, it, I'm totally <laughs> okay, off. Okay, so the thing that we have to do is say your heart rating. So yep. out of five, how many hearts would you give this movie and then would you renew your vows so would you watch this movie again i have a feeling i know everyone's answers but um i'll start go ahead <laughs> i give it a five out of five hearts would renew yes yeah i like realized um i didn't write it down uh but i think you can't think off the top of your head i don't know i'm like <laughs> is there any i always have to stop to think of myself in terms of the objective rating i'm not going to do the like thousand out of five hearts that you've done before i always try to like actually be objective but i can't think of a single flaw i really do think this movie holds up uh, five out of five, and there's never any question, would renew my vows. Every time I've watched this movie, I'm like, God, I love this movie. So He'll uh, show it to our future kids. Oh, 100%. 100%. Marcus, how about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, five, five all, all around. Um, yeah. Yeah, when you guys have kids, you'll like this movie. Like, it'll be a whole other twist. It's kind of what's fun about kids. You like movies so much, like, the movies will, you know, sharing movies with your kids, that's really fun. It's like a whole nother. You guys, yeah, it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing as a movie fan. So, yeah. Well, I, I look forward to that. Thank you. Um. So the thing I was getting. What? Yeah. Now you can finish. <laughs> I see. So you know what? I just I knew this was going to be you know less exciting because we're all saying the exact. That might be the first time we've ever given a perfect. Yeah. Wait. All hit, three people. Hit the five applause. First ever perfect movie. First ever perfect movie. We've come very, very close before, but I think that might be the first time that all three people gave a five. Um, good choice, Marcus. Very good choice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I think this one's been on my list of trying to get her to watch for a while with me. and now... I had to meet a man in a bar to tell me to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Glad I got, glad I... Glad I got her, got her to watch it with you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, and yeah. and to extend that thank you further, where can our listeners find you one more time, uh, so that hopefully we get a little bit more uh, earballs on your amazing music? Yeah, uh, Instagram at Marcus Brown Songs, M A R C U S Brown Songs. Awesome. Heck thank yeah. You. 
And uh, I'm just going to give a quick plug. You can follow our general stuff at In Love With Movies. That's at the letter N, Love With Movies, all spelled out on Instagram and Twitter, as well as Hive. You can follow me at Nick Loves Movies, N-I-C, Nick, L-U-V, Love. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. I've been interacting with people a little bit more on Letterboxd. Danielle, do you have anything for you to plug? Yeah. Follow me at Danny Miami 4. I just got cast in a new musical improv show, so you can see me make up songs. Not 1.2% as good as Marcus's songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm at Comedy Sports every Thursday night. Find me there. All right. And with <laughs> that, we will close things out. So I love you, Danny. I love you, Nick. We love you, Marcus. Thank you very much for being with us. Yeah. We appreciate you being here. Um, after being a man, I met in a bar. I just think it's very <laughs> funny. It? She I just, just keeps it's hilarious. It up. <laughs> it's so funny to me. <laughs> That's just life, man. You got to go with the flow. You know, whatever happens, uh, you know, lean in. Do you have any songs that you want to take us out with? Uh, yeah, I could play more of an up-tempo thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could play the, br- you guys can pick. I, can, I There's a kind of a bro country runaway in a truck. You know, a couple run away in a truck. Yeah, I want bro love. Give me that bro country. Um, You didn't even have to give me the other choice. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, already decided. (laughs) The other one's a little mushier. The other one's about um, just wanting to get, you know, being being in love and wanting to go on adventures with all kinds of adventures with who you love. I mean, I kind of love one that one. Do them both. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Only three minute songs. Perfect. Fantastic. We're having a good time listening, so. Let's see. I just took off with the honey from East Tennessee. Walked off that job just staring at a little white tea. <laughs> at least I have a full tank, at least I haven't drank too much. Well, all that's going to change in a few hours when we fall down in the sawdust, loving each other, not caring at all who's watching. We just met, but we're already all over each other, and I'm trying to keep it on the road. It's getting harder to steer away from those eyes. Like I've known in my whole life At six this morning I had some things I care about But now I know it don't compare To her hair blowing out the 150 window And scooting on the bench seat toward me If this lasts 24 hours or a lifetime It's worth leaving everything behind Yeah, she's worth it Leaving everything behind But just another five minutes She's worth it of a duplex a 40-hour work week the hard hat high vis red wings little bit of money i thought it was a good job but i forgot already what i just left behind as soon as she jumped up over the step side into the cab into my life and said let's ride
<laughs> At six this morning I had some things I cared about But now I know it don't compare To her hair blowing out the 150 window And scooting on the bench seat toward me If this lasts 24 hours or a lifetime It's worth leaving everything behind Yeah, she's worth it Leaving everything behind For just another five minutes She's worth it Damn it, I forgot my dog. Let me call my neighbor Bob. Oh, Bob's gonna take the dog. Yeah, she's worth it. Leaving everything behind. But just another five minutes. At six this morning, I had some things I cared about, but now I know it don't compare to her hair blowing out the 150 window and scooting on the bench seat toward me. If this lasts 24 hours or a lifetime A few more exit signs To the end of the white line It's worth leaving everything behind, yeah She's worth it Leaving everything behind For just another five minutes She's worth it That was cute. I liked it a lot. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So, you want the other one? Yeah. Audience, you're bringing out this, this format's working for me. Let's see. Well, if you just need to always record this way from now on, we're yeah, not going to. We'll watch. <laughs> uh, this song's called Yonder. house this week she's gone she's out of town i can't wait to show you where i come from ever since we met i've been dreaming big so many things now i want to see and do don't matter where if i'm with you i want to take you yonder right across the river where the grass is greener and the oak tree sits on top of the hill there's a couple of swings I could take you yonder to the living room There's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt We could hide you there and love all day We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder Wanna take you yonder Yonder upstairs there's a bedroom I shared with my brothers All the posters still there Mama tends to keep everything Remember I told you about the lake It's yonder out the old highway We could have a cool swim Then build a fire But first I want to take you yonder Right across the river Where the grass is greener And the oak tree sits on top of the hill There's a couple of swings Or I could take you yonder to the living room there's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt We could hide under there and love all day We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far Our hearts will go farther Wanna take you yonder It's hard to figure out where to start yonder There's a fishing hole, the old hangout, the makeout spot In the church parking lot Wanna take you yonder right across the river where the grass is greener and the oak tree sits on top of the hill. We could go swinging. 
Or I could take you yonder to the living room. There's a big old sofa with a heavy handmade quilt. We could hide under there and love all day. We're gonna have adventures whether or not our feet travel far. Cause we'll be together no matter where we are. Our hearts will go farther. Wanna take you yonder. Wanna take you yonder. Take you yonder, our hearts will go farther.